Hey everybody, join me, Aaron, and my good friend, Andy, as we get together to have a couple of beers and talk about science fiction and fantasy spaceships and vehicles. Yeah, you heard that right. All but the exception of Dune. We do not discuss anything from that stuff. So join us every week as uh, we go down this little rabbit hole. Let's find out. What do we think is really the coolest vehicle? Who knows? Tune in to Does Not Include Dune Podcast. Good evening, everybody, and a big to everybody out there. Oh, are we starting that early? Yeah. It's going to be a a full kind of... uh, Is that the noise? Do you think that's the noise? That's kind of... It's often onomatopoetically described as thwip. Yeah, there's a P at the end, right? It seems like a bad noise. It doesn't seem threatening. No, but it also sounds kind of creepy. It it does sound kind of. I mean, as a character, the 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 guy that we're talking about tonight is pretty creepy. Let's just be real. Um, but before we get into that, I think we should interview introduce our guest. I can't talk. It's going to be a long show, gentlemen. It's going to be yes. a long show. We, we have had a uh, we have had the best luck ever so far in the last like. 10 episodes with guests and 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 we aren't we aren't stopping we aren't stopping that guest train anytime soon no. um we have with us um host of a brand new podcast uh he'll tell you all about it aaron prado's here aaron oh well thank you guys thank there you for having me back oh please oh please i'm sorry we aren't talking about honor. vehicles tonight oh no it's quite okay i'm nice well break. diverse in different Areas of subjects. But we are going to talk exclusively about Dune. Yes, that's all that is tonight, just <laughs> Dune Talks. The only way I can get it out of my system. you gotta, you got to go on other podcasts and just be like, yeah, Spider-Man, but do you want to talk about... <laughs> uh, I hear that Spider-Man said that fear is the mind killer. Uh, <laughs> love that quote from that movie. It is, it is a great cool. quote. Uh, yeah. But uh, we are not talking about Dune tonight. I don't think no. there's any connection between what we're talking about and Dune. I, I love how the little girl kills uh, Baron, oh, Baron Octopus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Remember Baron Octopus? Yeah, his sister. Baron Octopus. <laughs> it would work, though. Yeah. It would work, though. <laughs> I mean, they have... Instead of a brunette, he's a redhead. They you have... know, what would be inspired Cassie at this point is Sting as Swarm. Well, I was going to say, we'll get into casting, and I, and outside of the main character, which at the time I thought was brilliant, and then as time went on, I was like, wait <laughs> a second. Um, I, you know, the casting for me was, was 
pretty brilliant across the board. But now that I think about it, Sting is the Green Goblin. Oh, good mm. lord, that would have been something. Yeah, because my thing about okay, so so regardless, regardless, Cole, what are we talking about tonight? I'll double back. I'll double back. Actually, tonight we are going to embark on a new series that has some of the most long-winded titles ever in the history. <laughs> you outdid yourself. Sir. Yeah, this is like a little mini arc. We're only doing the three-episode little feature here called Toby to Tom, Your Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. And this is, of course, Toby to Tom, Your Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, You Had Me at McGuire. <laughs> I like that name. That's a good, that's a good name. <laughs> oh, my God. So, so tonight it's all about the three, the, the establishing Spider-Man movies, because that's what they were. Previous yeah. to your Toby Maguire Spider-Man movies, you had, I think, the last iteration of Spider-Man in. I mean, I think there were cartoons, but there, there was a TV show. Yeah, it was that TV show in the seventies? Yeah. yeah, it was definitely seventies. And I think yeah. they had a made-for-TV movie, right? Yeah, they were. It was all part of the same sort of family of stuff. And then there was that girl who kept referring to. Uh, Jonah, J. Jonah is Mr. Jamieson. <laughs> Apparently they didn't, uh, the director didn't feel like it was a good idea. It wasn't prudent to point out that that's uh, not quite Well, the right. director didn't know. That's the thing. Oh, that was the problem. They're like, is it Jamieson? No, it's Jamieson. No, it's Jamieson. It's, it's Jamieson. <laughs> <laughs> that's you know, hilarious. I that was I, I about made a, a, an off color, fairly uh, pseudo racist joke that I <laughs> make. Um, hey, it's all good. But yes, tonight, yeah, th- this is it. Like this is the beginning of. Did I mean we talked about Blade last week? So yeah, it's uh, it, it just seemed appropriate to stack these on top of each other because we're actually even heading at the end of this three issue arc. Uh, our little mini arc, if you will, we're, we're actually uh, going to have yet another cinematic exploration, but you'll have to wait to find out what that's all about. That's right. You will. Um, but this was the beginning. If it weren't for, well, I mean, this movie did a lot of things. First of all, this and blade established that you could have, this really woke everybody up to the fact that you could have, that Marvel could have, big Hollywood movies. Legitimate yeah. products, yeah. <laughs> That's just true. That's true. Let's call it what it is. Legitimate yeah. products. Yeah. Um, but this movie reestablished, kind of reinvented, I shouldn't say reestablished, but reinvented the idea of a Hollywood blockbuster. People dog on it now. Because, now? Because we've had 30 Marvel Cinematic Universe movies in the past, what, 10 years or some some nonsense, some insane nonsense like that. When you really step back and look at it, it's been buck wild the amount of movies that they put into the universe. But this movie made a hundred million dollars in its first weekend, which that's at, pretty mind-boggling. At the time, was shocking. Mm-hmm. It was shocking. Um, and you couple that with the fact that it wasn't a great movie. Um, I'm not, I'm not saying it was bad, but it wasn't like, if you look at the comparison between that movie and even, a, even on a, a, an acting slash writing slash character development front and the movies we're getting now, it wasn't, it wasn't that great. 
it's easy to forget that fact that, you know, before, like we said, before Blade and before Spider-Man, there just wasn't anything there. And then we got, and then we started getting news of the Spider-Man movie. And, you know, I, I can't remember, you guys were there. Were, what were what was your reaction to the movie like the first time you saw it? Aaron? Um, I liked it, but I uh, kind of like what you were talking earlier. It's like it was fine. It was – I enjoyed myself, but it felt – I mean Sam Raimi had his own – you know, I love Sam Raimi. Uh, you know, Evil Dead and Army of Darkness and all that stuff. So – and you could so tell just the way he filmed it. So – and I appreciate that style, but – yeah, I mean, there's a goofiness to it that's, you know, you gotta, you know, it's it's sweet. I, I like I said, I liked it. I, I have no complaints. I enjoyed rewatching him again, getting ready for tonight, actually. Oh, did you? So you yeah. one upped me because I didn't rewatch. I'm, I'm relying solely on memory. It, it's been too long since I've seen him. I think the last time I saw, shoot, this first Spider-Man was I don't know, maybe five years ago, and then Spider-Man Two's been, you know, similar. <laughs> Three I saw in the theater, and until yesterday, I hadn't seen since. <laughs> I can't wait to hear about that. I, I, I can't wait to get there. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get through the first one because, Cole, what yeah. about you? What about you? Well, I, I have to say I was actually kind of excited because this was the first point where you've got some Batman under your belt. Yeah. You've got some proof of concept, and somebody's finally stepping up and getting a license that apparently they signed in perpetuity. <laughs> right. Right. For real. For real. But, uh, and who knew? But the thing that it is, we're talking about, um, you know, Spider-Man is a tough nut to crack if you want to do it right. Very and true. They were finally at a point where they could at least have an honest go at it. Um, and, you know, I'm not as invested in Spider-Man as I am in some other comic characters. So I didn't have the level of disappointment that some had. And there were some things you just had to kind of shrug your shoulders and go on, like, you know, Peter's... Uh, Organic webs. Yeah, oh. that was that was a big point of contention. However, I'd seen back in the day a photograph of the original mock-up for Inorganic Web tech okay and it was a really cool looking it looked like it could actually do what it's supposed to it looked like there were like multiple points and maybe some mechanisms that spun so it was like feeding from multiple uh cartridges hmm. and then whipping them into a nice little web uh, line but yeah for whatever reason they gave him the weird blister on his wrist and um you know that was i guess to make the uh Back of the hand web shooter from uh, Secret Wars Forward. Uh, <laughs> some kind of sense. But, um, and then the other big point of contention for the fan base was the Green Goblin. And I have actually seen photographs of the attempts to do him as a big articulated mask with, you know, big yellow lenses. Uh, where you could see uh, Willem Dafoe's eyes behind them in much the same way you do in, uh, you know, Alex Ross art. Right. Okay. And I I saw the the practical like non armor, and, and this movie suffered from um, the no tights, no no capes time period in a big yeah. way too. It was 
frankly, getting Spider-Man in a reasonable facsimile of a Spider-Man suit was a win for the time. Because you you had X-Men running around in black leather, you know, the BDSM X-Men suits. You know, you had... They gave us a they gave us a Batman, which was great. But you know, we all, you know, the the fanboy audience out there, the real the real comic book fans, um, and I don't mean the real in, in that mean I mean real in the sad way. You know? <laughs> um, we all Aww. wanted the we all wanted the kind of Neil Adamsy, you know, either blue you know blue somewhere in it, but it was all yeah. black. You know, we had the. Well, it but, seemed there was a color palette that was monochrome. Mm-hmm. I mean, what was amazing with Batman is he's jet black body armor with a gigantic yellow device in the chest. Yeah, <laughs> they'll let you have that, but they won't <laughs> give you. But so, so it was kind of a win just to have a Spider-Man in a Spider-Man costume at that point. You know, right? Yeah, and you had to like you know Peter's there using his school supplies to design the costume. Yeah, in, let's get into that uh, in, in a, a little bit. In a quick montage. And, you know, his first costume before he decides to go all in is just, you know, whatever happens to be in the closet or he could pick up at Goodwill. And then he's got, let's just say that any of that was practical. We know for a fact that the suit costs like a million dollars each. <laughs> and one of them got stolen, apparently. Yeah. First or the second. I forgot uh, about that. Yeah, I blame J.K. Simmons. I think he stole it. He's still right. wearing it right now. So I can pin it to his I had to get in character. I got to steal a Spider-Man suit. Uh, It'd be so small on him. <laughs> so he's just gonna hang it up. Oh, okay, I, I was picturing him actually wearing it. Spider's pajamas. <laughs> exactly. There you go. We know a thing or two because we stole it. I think. Oh, what? The? Anyway. Um, <laughs> We are spiders. <laughs> He's there trying to squeeze it. Not my tempo. Okay, but, you know, let's just say that it was a legitimately possible cosplay kind of suit. It would still cost you close to a grand. Sure, at least. I, uh, and I think that the web spinners, the, the organic web spinners, right? I was able to overlook them. It didn't bother me, but like like Cole, you like what you said earlier. I wasn't the biggest uh, Spider-Man fan. I was I'm more lean towards X-Men and more fantastical stuff, I guess you would say, or Silver Surfer. But uh, I I don't know. Maybe it's just because I wasn't the biggest Spider-Man fan. It didn't Not really. Because on MythBusters, they declared Spider-Man plausible. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> um. No, I, I know what you mean, though, because if you weren't a hardcore fan, you could let a few things go. It was still very difficult to accept the organic web shooters, though, right. in a way, they made a strange, perverse kind of sense. It's like if Stan Lee hadn't meant for people to be grosser. just super, it is, super genius. <laughs> it is a lot more grosser. Now that you point that out, I'd never yeah, thought of it oh, like yeah. that, it, and now I'm starting like to think of it. <laughs> It looks like a Star Trek fried egg monster from Spock's back. <laughs> Only tiny. Right, okay. I was like, Peter, why do you have poached eggs on your wrists? <laughs> well, and, and I think it suffers from that thing we were just talking about, which is, you know, you you have to if, – if you're going to make it realistic, let's go all in. You know – if he's going to get bitten by a radioactive spider and get spider abilities, why doesn't he have this? 
Yeah. Know, this hey, thing, yeah, it kind of makes sense, right? Well, why would he have to outsource the webs? But sure. It, it kind of makes sense until you realize that there's nothing about a spider that shoots webs out of his wrists. So he's got mm-hmm. two spider asses on his arms. Yeah. And, and the thing uh, is, they should have been really naturalistic and made him look like, you know, little spinnerets there. But then that would have been actually even more disgusting. I mean, it's a pretty disgusting concept regardless. Aaron's right. That was super gross. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in your opinion, in your opinions, gentlemen... Um, yes. Did we need the origin again? Well, it was really the first time, right, for a Spider-Man. That's true. And That's these, true. also, you got to remember, this is much further back in time. So this is the like the origin movie mecca of, or, you know, that's when everybody had an origin movie being thrown out in those days. So yeah. it doesn't offend me that much. You know, it's like I don't want to see it again. Like I don't want to see Batman's <laughs> story again. I'm good on that level, but I, I, that it didn't that that didn't even cross my mind when I was watching it, to be honest with you. Well, I'm with Andy on this one. I think that it was bothersome that they felt like they had to do that because Spider-Man is in the same school as Batman, and that every man, woman, and child on Earth in the last 50 years was born with the instinctive knowledge of Spider-Man and Batman's origins. Right. You true. Know. True. I mean, getting bitten by a radioactive spider is household. It's that's like that's that's common household knowledge. You know, I understand, and we talked about this. Um, we talked about this for Blade. I understand needing a Captain America, an Iron Man, and a little bit of a Thor um, origin story to be told. I get that. You know, I. Spider-Man, I just think we could have gone right into the thing. Just because of how much history we're already very well aware of at this point is what you're you're trying to think? Yeah, yeah. Like, without seeing the movie, you knew that Spider-Man got bitten by a radioactive spider, right, Eric? True. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely, yeah. And that's – Man, I grew grew up with Spider-Man and friends, so, like, I was very uh, – I do do, do stuff about them. (laughs) Right. And and that's – I think that's kind of the point is we all kind of have this, you know – this that reptilian part of your brain holds the 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 recumbent DNA of a lifetime of Spider-Man knowledge locked inside of it. Um, but it, again, it wasn't bad. None of the none of the origin was bad except for the fact that Peter was supposed to be a senior in high school, and I think he was forty-five when he filmed. <laughs> that was one of the problems with the movie, for sure. Is everybody. Was not. I mean, there was a there was a there's a spot, and I think it was the first one where a teacher was getting onto them about something, and the teacher looked younger than ah. they. <laughs> I was like, this is so unbelievable, but yeah, whatever. I mean, the, but they, but the thing is, with an origin story, right? They really did a pretty great job of telling that origin story. They 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 went through you know, the origin of Spider-Man in a way I don't think had been explained to the mass public. Everybody knows yeah. the, the radioactive spider bite, but a lot of people don't, and everybody kind of knows the uncle Ben thing, right? Like, like you kind of know if you're a fan of, of, if you're a nerd or a fan of comic books, you knew about it. It was good to introduce the great power, great responsibility thing to the, to the, you know, where it actually came from. Mm-hmm. But, the stuff like him being a professional wrestler wasn't right. 
what it's not common knowledge, and that's straight up comics. With Randy Savage, no less. Hell yeah. yeah. Macho Bone Man. Saw. Oh. Bone Saw. Bone Saw. <laughs> Snap it to a Slim Jim. <laughs> but that was straight up from the comics. And I think yeah. that they did a pretty good job of defining defining all of the, the, the characters correctly. And I think that, you know, we need to, in each of the three episodes, this is great because in each of the three issues we're going to do here, um, we get to talk about J.K. Simmons, which is <laughs> which is fantastic. Was he in the Garfield movies? I need to watch those again because I, I know, really. I, I, you got me on that one. I got nothing on that. Mm. I, I actually need to do a refresher on those because there's the ones I'm least familiar with off the top of my head. I've watched them both. They were both presented to my eyes <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and to my brain, but. They didn't leave a lasting mark other than just it how, was what it was. From a production standpoint, how silly is it to power the grid on electric eels? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it could work, right? <laughs> yeah, those and I'm and I'm I'm glad we're gonna talk we're not talking about those tonight, but I am glad that we're going to talk about those because they landed so firmly in this weird zone between where we are now and where we started which makes the toby mcguire movies not only acceptable but i think lovable you know um and then the movies we have now obviously you know we've we've taken all of the powers that be we that we have and thrown them at these movies and you know they're studios are fairly hands-off now and they're just like make the movie you'll make us billions of dollars with but, the right directors, yeah. But that was an Andrew Garfield movie sitting firmly in the middle when everybody's kind of figuring out where everything's going on. They made some real weird ass choices in those movies. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, let's let's talk a little bit about. I mean, we're we're here to talk about Tobey Maguire, of course, but also uh, Jerry Maguire and uh, sure. No, but we we need to talk a bit about Sam Raimi's obvious reverence for the classic Spider-Man. And I think that's why this works so well. If the studio had had their way, we would have had Venom in the first one. That's true. Because that is putting Wolverine in the X-Men. you got to sex the sucker up. you got to put in the hot character everybody wants to see. you got to prove Wolverine doesn't have an Australian accent like he did in Spider-Man and his amazing friends. (laughs) (laughs) There's no one knew what a Canadian sounds like. (laughs) Ah, Canadian, Australian, they're all the same. We're America. Crocodile Dundee was about a Canadian, right? Yeah. Right, exactly. (laughs) No, but he obviously, if he didn't come into it with a love of Steve Ditko's Spider-Man stuff, he definitely found it somewhere in the creation of his vision of Um, Spider-Man. I really think that there is a certain reverence because he wanted to lead with the Green Goblin. He wanted to tackle the very challenging Dr. Octopus and make both of them viable on screen, which is a challenge in its own right. And then you get Sandman playing second fiddle to an unnecessary and poorly cast Venom. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get me started on Topher Grace. Anytime the the rubber face peels away and and there's Topher Grace there trying to be Eddie Brock, all I can see is Red Foreman going, 
dumbass. <laughs> yeah, I, I I couldn't get into him either. It was it really bothered me that that was who they went with with Venom. Uh, it wasn't good. Mm. It wasn't good because the thing. So let's talk about villains. Let's talk about the villains that were presented to us in these three films. Because in the first film, you get, I think, I think an amazingly cast um, Norman Osborn. Willem Dafoe, in my eyes, can't do wrong. He's agreed. The, the only, the only, my only argument with Willem Dafoe is I think he was too crazy. It's hard to hide Willem Dafoe's crazy. Ever. You are so right about that too. His his facial expressions alone, you know, are are meme treasure mines you know it's, it's, <laughs> he's he is very ex- expressive well and you look at his work in like a uh, boondock saints where he's supposed to be a fairly serious like police detective and he's just going any opportunity that man has to get on screen and just chew all of the scenery he's going uh-uh. to take it and now you put him in a sam raimi superhero movie what did you expect you know i, I was that's it, that's an equal part of excitement for going and seeing this movie in the theaters. What kind of insane, what kind of level of insane is Defoe going to bring? Um, you know, but he did really well though. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's, that's one of the takeaways I have with the exception of let's say one with everybody who they've cast in this movie for their, uh, their antagonist characters. I thought they did a great job. Oh yeah. Um, like I said, like Cole said, though, with the exception of Topher Grace, I think. Right. Doc I think, Ock was played. Uh, what's his name? Um, oh, uh, Funky Cold Molina. Yes. <laughs> he did a great job. I thought he was a great Doc Doc. Talk oh, about, he was amazing. Yeah. Because what was wonderful about Alfred Molina as Doctor Octopus was how personable Otto Octavius was. You fell in love with the guy, and then you see him fall so tragically. Hmm. Right. And and again, origin of the villain is actually I'm not going to say it's close to the comics, but the idea that you have these it was a huge risk to take these arms and fuse them to him. You know, mm-hmm. that's a pretty big risk for a movie to take instead of just making them like robot arms that you can, you know, do whatever with. Like I gotcha. like making him the monster mm-hmm. was a pretty big was a pretty big risk, and I think that Raimi at that point started to um, started to flex some editorial muscles in these movies, like the um, not that not, not that Spider-Man's secret identity has been all that secret for a whole lot of time, you know, but the bus scene where everybody sees who Spider-Man <laughs> oh, is and then, right? and then agrees just not to say anything. Like, everybody just mm, kept their mouth shut. Mm, I'm not. I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that even even for a second. It's almost like Spider-Man threatened him before he left. He's like, "Listen, if I hear any of y'all talk, I'm coming to get you." Well, I think it was a mutual. It was sort of a little bit of a zeitgeist there because mutually, everyone had the same thought. I think read it in each other's expressions. Okay, this guy is Spider-Man. We love you, Spider-Man. We'll never we, betray you. But we don't know who the hell he is anyway. That's so it was really more about facing down Doc Ock as an asshole than really protecting some anonymous stranger. It's like, it, this is New York. It's not like the you know little house on the prairie Ingalls where everybody knows each other. I mean, that's true. That. That's a valid point. If John Boy yeah. Walton was Spider-Man, 
and he got unmasked, then, you know, it, it pretty much run rampant all over the county. But, you know, it's like, oh, we're New Yorkers. We love Spider-Man. No, we're New Yorkers. We know who the hell each other are and don't care. Um, I now want that movie. Now you put that in my brain. Now I want. Now I want John Boy as Spider Man. Little house on the spider web. He he actually I think would be a fairly decent choice for that character when I actually stop and think about the think about the actor and the and the way he and the way he you know his stature and the way I think it would be good. I, I'm I don't, just I don't saying, think you're selling yeah. this very well. I don't, I, Go <laughs> back and watch. Like a, Go back and watch a bunch of Little House on the Prairie. Oh, um, that, that might be hard to do. <laughs> how did we feel about um, – what's his name? God, my brain is not working anymore ever. Um, the guy who played Sandman. Thomas oh, Hayden yeah. Church. Yeah, Thomas Hayden Church, yes. Soon to be uh, assassin. He's got those three names, those three great yeah. names. Oh, oh, right. Right. Serial killer. Thomas Hayden Church, John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> how do, how do we feel about his? I don't know how I felt about that. I actually liked him. At, I, I thought he did all right. I actually, yeah, I was really excited about him. I hated the fact that his. I mean, the storyline got a little convoluted because they're trying it to make room for Venom. So weird. But in costume. This is one of those occasions where, in costume, an actor looks more like the character than the character. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I can feel that. I'll kind of, I'll kind of buy that. He, he, you know, was was kind of big and blocky. He had the shirt that matched that was the color, right? Yeah, they 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 bothered to not try to, you know, redo his costume as such as it is, but and he also they gave him that. That weird little like wavy uh, lioness van pelt kind of hair. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, it sold that kind of uh, Sandman cornrows kind of thing. What would you think about how they made it where he was there when, or he did he did he kill Uncle Ben or was it the other guy? I never I I, I can't remember that part. Like he was there and when Ben died, right? He was there when in the movies. He was there when Ben died. I don't think he did the die the killing. But I he think, was involved. I'm I'm guessing. Um, I I thought it was unnecessary. Yeah. I mean, they have a lot. See, that's the thing about the third Spider-Man movie is that they had a lot going on already. A lot. They didn't need to shoehorn in any other plot points. Mm-mm. Um. You know, and and I think it's time that we had we spent a little bit of time talking about uh, Topher as as Venom. Um, Cole, would you would you like to start that off? Yeah, I, you know, it, it just comes down to piss poor casting. It was almost like they were in a hurry to get a Venom, or they wanted to catch that last little spark of the Topher Grace lightning in a bottle. Sure. You know, he was at the height of his powers at that point. <laughs> and, you know, he's playing himself in uh, Ocean's Eleven. He's he's like a go-to kind of guy. And I guess they thought he had that same sort of 40-year-old teenage quality that their their principal actor had. Mm. That he and Tobey Maguire could play off each other kind of thing. 
yeah, that they would have that sort of youthful connection. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it is, it it was a poor choice because he didn't have the the, the vibe. Of, the, yeah, it wasn't, you, he you didn't have a good see him vibe as a, as a jock ass. Not not at all. No, I, I look at Some, him as this awkward venom. What, what what was his character on that '70s show, Eric? Eric Foreman. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's all I see. Well, I, like you like like you said, you you picture red in the background, calling him a dumbass. Well, and I think part of the problem was Venom's a really in at the best of times, as we learned from the Tom Hardy movie, Venom is a hard character to get right. Yeah, yeah. Venom is a very difficult character to get right. The reason that Venom worked at all in the comics and I'm so glad that they understood this to make him an iconic villain that lasted that has lasted as long as Venom has was you had to go back to somebody that has a history with Peter Parker yeah from, from the from from Jump Street right? right and that's the person that you make Venom that already has an antistic or antistic antagonistic relationship with Peter in some respects right you know, mm-hmm. the guy that worships Spider-Man, but but will bully Peter Parker to no end, you know, and, and envies anything that Peter Parker gets that isn't, you know, that he thinks is, he's deserving of, whether it's the girl or the job or whatever it is. Whatever. Yeah, right. and whenever, you know, and they had, they went through phases where they were closer as friends than they were at other times in the comics, but what makes that Flash-Parker relationship so compelling is, you know, as they get older, they mature and they get closer. Yeah. But Flash is a very, very, like you said, a very jockey, aggro, you know, kind of the kind of the anti-Parker. You know, if Venom's exactly, the he is. I think that absolutely. That's rather, I think, why if it wasn't, if it was, you know, by design and not just a complete happy accident, that was the perfect character to become this creature in Peter's life. Right. No, you're, you're absolutely correct. I do think, you know, and I, I don't know. I don't like, and I said this when we talked about Venom, I don't like every, and, and you made a valid argument, but there's just something inside of me that doesn't like the fact that whenever we see Venom on a, on a screen, Right. Whenever we see Venom uh, on TV or in a movie, he's always wet. Yeah. He's always glossy, moist, and I don't mm. like it. I don't <laughs> one little bit. I do not like it. And this was no different. Um, yeah, and I'm not sure why they felt that he needed to be, you know, like liquid latex or something. Yeah. Mm. Well, and that's that's the direction that they've gone every time they've had an opportunity to put him, you know, front and center. Let's make him let's make him slick. Let's hmm. slick him up. And I'm like, this is gross. Why don't I guess they think this? it looks better on film. Maybe I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's more visual since it's a black object. Yeah, I guess you want some sort of detail to it. Otherwise, it's just sort of a black detailless object. I don't know. I'm just drawing straws here. But, but you know, for all of the, for all of the stops and starts and and misses, you know, swapping and I, and I think it was 
I don't know, Cole, how do you feel about the swapping of Mary Jane for um, Gwen Stacy in that storyline? I Again, it, it comes down to a lot of trying to get as many storylines in as possible. Yeah. You know, we got to cover the death of Gwen Stacy. So we have to throw into this mix a Green Goblin-less Gwen Stacy, except that you give us this semi-goblin, this, uh, you know, paintball skateboard warrior that just does not gel at all as Green Goblin. He's got the entire goblin arsenal behind the mirror, and he goes and, and like, picks out his favorite paintball mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't I mean, know what I, they were William doing. DeVoe's asking me, you get back in there, young man, and get a proper costume on. Right. What the hell's wrong with you? I have no son. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was definitely an odd take on it, but, you know, everything in that movie is quite odd. I mean, I kind of get it only in the sense that, you know, he was for lack of a better term, you know, a, a, a war profiteer at that point. I think that's what we kind of figure out, right? Is that, mm. um, but I think that the reason, so you have got, you know, they've established that you're going to have the Green Goblin. I think the idea is we've got to make him seem super insane mm. and super evil in two hours. How do we do this? And I think that the, their answer was we can't establish that unless we really go off the rails like just trying to kill spider-man isn't enough mm -hmm. like we need something so beyond the pale that it's really going to it's really going to shock people and i think that their way of really shocking people was saying we're going to we're going to have him try to kill mary jane Right. Okay. We're going to we're going to make that Grecian hero's dilemma, you know, to kill Mary Jane um, that the, the comic books did so well. And, and it's still talked about is still it's still kind of one of the touchstones for for really nuts storytelling in comics mm -hmm. um, to this day. But that's the only way we're going to have the ability to. Um, to really show how off the rails he is. So they went ahead and did it. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know that it was necessary. You know, I think part of it was sort of a recognition that this was the end. You know, Raimi was going to leave the series. Sony probably didn't know what the hell they wanted to do next as evidenced by the fact that it took years for them to pick up the spider suit again. Yeah. And I think they were just trying to, go out in a blaze of glory that just fizzled because it was just overburdened by too many stories. It was like... And a sexy dance scene. Oh, God. Oh, gotta oh, have... Well, God. It was like... It was you can't like talk about... Yeah, you can't talk about Spider-Man 3 without bringing up the uh, the dance. Do we have to, though? Is that... Pew, pew! You got, the, you got your finger guns ready, right? Well, and my thing about that is we need to show that he's that he that he's off the rails, right? That, that Venom has infected him <laughs> and made time. him evil. And the way e we're not gonna... evil emo. That's yeah, but that's different. the way we're going to show it, where it, where he's not going to be, you know, because in the in the comics he just gets 
you know, and, and they do a slow burn, and then in one of the comic great slow burns, right? Uh, kind of okay. kind of genre defining, you know, good guy turns bad slow burns uh, where you get. How long was it, Cole? Do you think it took him to for the for the final reveal that the that the suit was the suit was up was quote unquote bad? Yeah, uh, God, it's been a while on that one. But I mean, of the like, three, it's the one I'm least inclined to ever see again. Well, I mean, in the in the actual comics. in the actual comics. Oh, the comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing that is the the suit becoming bad was this weird product of what do we do with you know it had to be this like bullpen throwing the ball around kind of thing. It's very Mexican soap opera ish. <laughs> and it it probably just sure evolved is. over time. So I said, you know what 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 else can we do now that we have this? Uh, you know, the the black costume Spider-Man's made quite the splash. And now we're uh It was pretty cool when it first came out. I was like, whoa, Spider-Man well, looks is, dope. Cole is uh notorious for how many issues of Web of Spider-Man number one did you own? Oh my god. Web of Spider-Man comes out, if if you can turn down your uh your volume if you've heard this before on this show because you probably hear, have hear it again it's great yeah <laughs> and uh he uh so web of spider-man comes out we go to our local comic shop friends of mine and i and we're like looking for web of spider-man number one and for the first time ever he we go in there and jerry's like i'm sold out and we're like no that's impossible <laughs> you, can't be you, sold you don't out. sell out of stuff so there weren't a lot of comic shops around back then, so we started going and hitting every single 7-Eleven that we could find because they're, uh, you know, that was basically your comic shop back then. Really? Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yes. Um, Never even no, thought about looking there. Yeah, 7-Eleven was like the place to go because – I remember that, they had arcade machines back in the day in a lot of the 7-Elevens, so you can go oh, get yeah. a Slurpee, and then with your change, you might get a game in or so. No, they, they used to have comic book spinner racks in all the 7-Elevens. Okay. And, of course, that's going way back to the days of the rack jobbers who would come in and switch out the Time magazines and the Woman's Day and the Playboys and, and of course, the comics – but they tended to get the comics about the same time as the comic shop. Mm. So if it was on the newsstand, it was universally on the newsstand. And over time, the direct market just squeezed out comics right. in grocery stores and convenience stores and stuff. And it became more and more difficult for little mom and pop places to get in on the deal. So we... Uh, we went driving all over creation, and we would buy out every single comic <laughs> on the rack at every single 7-Eleven until between us. I think I probably wound up with about 20 or so copies. <laughs> Holy cow. Okay. Uh, of uh, one issue. Yeah. Oh, issue We one. thought this was going to be the thing. Ah. The big deal. In fact, that was the probably the only time – not the only time I bought multiple copies of issues of comics – because I met Catherine about the time, yes, here it comes, Watchmen came out. Here we go. And we had to start buying two copies because neither of us could wait for the other. <laughs> Whoever okay. was driving was the unlucky bastard who had to wait even longer. And But this was the first time I really 
got the collector speculator bug because I thought, you know, there were all those tales about, you know, what if I'd got a case of X Men, you know, Giant <laughs> Fight X Men number one, X Men number ninety four, and you know, this was the the early days of, uh, you know, the comic comic collection equals your kids' tuition, which of course it never was going to be. Right. Unless you have like the original Spider-Man number one, you're really not making any money off these things. I got iconic books that are 20 something years old. Like I got Daredevil. Um, I can't remember what it was, but it's like red foil. It's still, you know, it's in pristine yeah. condition. It's like worth a dollar, two dollars, maybe. It's, it's oh yeah, the death, yeah. Of Spy- death of Spider, death of Superman, Superman. which everybody thought was going to be a big deal. Uh, it would but, have been if they never brought him back. Yeah. But, I mean, the thing about it is the print runs were horrendously large. Right. Mm-hmm. There was no exclusivity. Rarity is what drove the market in back issues. So, basically, the thing about it is I didn't do that out of a love of Spider-Man or the black costume. No. I bought it out of a sense of reckless greed. <laughs> but that prominently featured on this thing was Spider-Man in his black costume. Yeah. And but I think. Coming to Venom, I really believe that that's just something where once the costume was established, it's probably like New Coke. There were people clamoring for the old classic Spidey. I know exactly what you mean by that. And then it becomes an editorial mandate. What do we do about the black costume? Because we can't simply just disappear it out of fashion sense. Right. And the answer is, well... It came from another world, so maybe it's alive, which to this day will, and you've probably heard this on this show before, too, if you're a longtime listener, (laughs) begs the question, why wasn't Thor's replacement helmet a symbiote? Right, because he had it made by the same weird machine, the same 3D printer. The same printer that gave him an exact replica of his helmet, but gave Spider-Man an entirely different costume. Hmm. Which, Which I guess there, and you can say, oh, the, the symbiote was waiting there. And it, well. On a world that the Beyonder built? Like, yeah. well, it's it's stupid, regardless. Regardless. The, the point is, in the comics, what they did was they took they took this idea. Where, Cole's probably right. They were like, we've got this suit. Everybody's saying, when are we going to get Red and Blue Spidey back? So we got to figure out a way to do it. So they went for like, it was, a, it was like a year or two years building... And they never nodded that the suit was doing it until close to the end, but he just got more and more aggressive Ooh. in the comics. Like, you know. And how was, long do you, did you say it, it went through the arc they, of it? They did, and, and it wasn't even an arc. It's, it wasn't until you realized, you know, because people were saying his friends, you know, your, your other superheroes that would kind of run herd with with spider-man were kind of hey what's up with this guy he's acting like a jerk yeah like like and it was like that right everybody's talking behind his back all it wasn't even like emo it was like he was just getting more and more like aggressive and and enjoying beating up villains and enjoy Uh you know and you know and then the finally you get to the you get to the third act of that story arc where he doesn't want to take the suit off and you start realizing that the suit's alive and kind of crawling around and you know <laughs> and and then it's like oh shit they're gonna do something with this suit dog and then and then you know the the compelling part was that you know the suit found flash who mm-hmm. was 
you know, this this already hyper-aggro. Well, at that point, I mean, he wasn't hyper-aggro, but, you know, had a history of this, this, this hyper-aggression and being a giant, you know, like a, like a big giant jock guy. You An know. alpha male. Yeah, kind of that, kind of that idea of an alpha male and attaching yeah. himself to, to Flash, thus making the anti-Spider-Man, which is what made Venom so cool. Was that Venom was the, you know, everybody has their polar opposite. You know, Batman or Superman has his Bizarro. You know, mm-hmm. you know, Batman has the Joker. They're they're mm-hmm. they're billed to be the opposite of what that character is. And right. and the thing that was so compelling in the comics was that. That was what they finally landed on Venom. You know, Spider-Man has a rich, rich rogues gallery, most of which I'm looking at in Marvel Legends form. (laughs) Um, But he didn't have that villain. You know, he had the Green Goblin, which which wasn't, you know, was a different kind of like 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 Greek tragedy style villain for him, you Mm -hmm. know, but he didn't have that opposite villain especially in a time period when the dark you know the the more violent and dark characters were were coming into the fold as as something that everybody wanted to see right sorry i got on my soapbox there about oh that's okay i'm not a a venom fan either which is you know but it was a really it was it was great storytelling how they built to that because they really didn't give you too many nods early on that something was going on besides you know the world around Spider-Man was getting darker by the nature of the way comics were being written because you started having, you know, your real dark characters coming into the fold and Spider-Man was getting darker and everybody kind of just accepted that as, you know, just a thing that was happening because you had Punisher running around in the streets of New York, you know, blasting ass. And, um, you know, all of a sudden you realize, Oh wait, this isn't Spider-Man. This is, this is this evil suit that he's wearing. Oh shit! What's gonna happen? Okay, he's gonna get it off of him because it takes sound and stuff. Cool. Now what? Oh, he found Flash. Shit! And everybody's like, "Oh god!" Like, it was just, it was, it was a great, it was a, it was great storytelling. I guess is what I'm getting at. Sorry. And now Venom's Apologies. a straight up good guy, in the comic book speaking. Ing, straight up. Maybe not. Well, he's an uh, anti-hero well, and, for sure. Right, right, right. Yeah. But like uh, in the Guardians of the Galaxy issues that I was reading not yes. horribly long ago. <clears throat> yeah, he's uh, was he? Uh, what's the soldier that he's attached to? Well, I think it was Flash. Wasn't was it? it? Fl- yeah, uh, Flash lost his right. legs. Yeah, um, I think so. Yes, that's it. You're on it. That's point. That's 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 exactly who it is because he didn't have legs and he seemed like pretty decent of a. I mean. You're right. I guess he's still the anti-hero kind of character, but you know he's he's always he ends up doing good in it. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's that's he's come around oh. the corner on that. Yeah. And then they take to the planet like they got to the symbiote. Is it symbiote or symbiote? I I always say symbiote. symbiote. It's symbiote. That's all. That's all. That's what I used to say too. Well, the, the root is symbiotic, so it would be symbiote. Okay. <laughs> yeah. See, I. I always thought it was symbiote. I didn't I, – because I am also can't read where the well, crud – Well, I always heard it pronounced Kraken. 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 <laughs> what, what did she say in the, in, the, in the movie, in the new one that everybody lost their mind about? I can't remember. Wow. Which one, Far From Home? No, the the actual Venom movie. She said Uh-oh. she pronounced it all weird, and I can't remember Yeah, what it was. she had like an accent that was attached it to was it. Funny. It was weird. It was just funny. Um, 
So I think let's just, you know, if in a movie that was, in a movie that was uh, uh, here and there, you know, with the casting and with the with the development, I don't know. I still, I still to this day, how many years later? Two thousand. When did this movie come out? Two thousand and two, I think. I still to this day don't know how I feel about Kirsten Dunst being. Mary Jane. Still. <laughs> not once did I ever thought that was a good choice. Because, like, Mary Jane was supposed to, like, exude sex. Like, that was, you know, like, like she was very strong, but she was a fashion model, and she was very, you know. I didn't any of that with her. And, yeah, I'm like, old chiclet teeth over here ain't doing it for me. That's, uh, that's for sure. I guess I really didn't, wasn't as invested in Mary Jane. She was, I guess, a serviceable Mary Jane for me. Uh, there was some degree of chemistry there. Serviceable Mary, serviceable is a good word. Well, serviceable Mary Jane was actually uh, my band in high school. <laughs> <laughs> That's so a we good were, band, man. Yeah, they didn't. The, the school didn't really like the name of the band, so we weren't able to, to you know, play at pep rallies. <laughs> <laughs> but truly, truly, the the unsung hero, the star if you will, in my eyes, of these movies was uh, J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. I oh, my God. He was absolutely brilliant. I, I don't know what I had seen him in before. But, again, um, here was a character. What was that prison show on HBO? Oh, I think I was aware of that. But, yeah, I'd never really okay. seen him seen it but uh you know here this was the living embodiment of j jonah james they did everything right uh you know right down to just giving him a full scale across the lip mustache instead of the hitler mustache because i think that would be you know jonah's been sporting that forever and he can get away with it the comics but you put that in front of the movie audience yeah pulling their heads off yeah only only Michael Jordan can get away with that type of uh, facial hair. Yeah, and and the thing is, like he nailed they nailed the look so perfectly, right? Like he was the living embodiment of that his character. voice. His voice sounded perfect for what you yes. expect him to sound like. See, to me, that's the most, is one of the more important things of acting is like getting the the voice tones right for the characters drives me crazy when there's a, a, a bad guy that's supposed to be super intimidating, but yet like, there's no, I'm not intimidated by your voice. So why would I be intimidated by you kind of thing? But that's just me. I'm but weird yeah, that way. They, it started there, but then they nailed not only the voice, right? They nailed the, they nailed the lines. They nailed oh. the attitude the bombast. Uh, yeah. Just the nonsense. I just want to be famous. I'll make him infamous. And he's just like constantly going. And then, uh, uh, you know, his poor assistants there just, you know, caught up in the whirlwind of it all. But that's so – if there's any – go ahead, Cole. I'm sorry. Oh, no, but that, that's exactly where they got everything 100% right. If, if there was anything in that film. That they that they took that they lifted straight from the comic. It was that. It was it was J. Jonah Jameson. And in retrospect, thinking about that J. Jonah Jameson, first of all, it was up to that point. I would say that's probably his definitive role. 
Like that that role at that. Let's point, just let's just put it this way: it's so iconic that they brought him back. Uh, so yes, exactly. They could not have. Out of everybody and anybody, his character was brought back in the last Spider-Man. Brilliant. Brilliant. That is, yeah. When I saw that, I was like, "Oh, that's so cool." It was. It was honestly. It was. It was brilliant. I couldn't. When I saw, I was shocked. When I, I was, I was floored when they, when they brought him. Uh huh. When they brought him back. Yes. But you know, J. Jonah Jameson is probably the most Sam Raimi thing about the Sam Raimi directed Spider-Man movies. (laughs) (laughs) Just because of the fact that he is so far beyond the pale over the top. Yes. You know, he, if, if Green Goblin, see, that's the weird thing. Here's the weird thing that I wanted to ask. You've got Sam Raimi, who's renowned for being this super inventive, you know, whether it's camera technique or mm-hmm. storytelling or, you know, monster creation, whatever it is, he's he's known for taking these wild chances and being successful. Right. Um, but then you get a movie where he had the opportunity to really do the Green Goblin, like really do the Green Goblin the way that the way that he could do the Green Goblin. And do you think it was studio pressure, Cole? It's hard to say because I think that a lot of it, uh, there's certainly a lot of evidence that there was tremendous pressure from Sony, especially by the third film. It's almost like the first film was so successful, they eased back a little bit on the second one, maybe agreeing to Dr. Octopus being the sole villain because of how complex that was going to be to shoot and realize. But, and then they're like, okay, you got yours, now we'll get ours. Right. And then Toby McGuire swung in and said, everybody gets one. There it is. <laughs> it was going to have to show up at some point. Late in the game. <laughs> Late in the game, but still here, ladies and gentlemen. Late in the game, but still here. <laughs> oh, God, that's funny. Um, well, I think we need to start thinking about wrapping this bad boy up. Um, we've well, in doing that, we really do need to kind of talk about Tobey Maguire a little bit more than we have. I Otherwise, we're, we're, it seems like a bait and switch because uh, the next issue is going to be a lot harder talking about Andrew Garfield. I I don't know that there – my thing about Tobey Maguire is – I think he nailed the kind of nerdy, socially awkward aspects of of Peter Parker. Agreed. I think I, like like when that one scene where Mary Jane was waving and he thought she was waving to him and he sort yeah. of kind of waved and he you saw he made it feel like he was very awkward and I've been in that situation too as a young lad. And it's very uncomfortable <laughs> when you realize, oh, I'm invisible. My bad. <laughs> or people not, you know, stepping on him, knocking his books down, just treating him like crap. It's like, no, that's that's a nerd's life right there. Thank you. You captured that right. That is correct. <laughs> All of it. Well, here, so here's a question for for both of you. Um, you guys have to fight. There's an. I just threw a knife down. You guys have to fight to figure out who goes. Um, what did Toby do right? And what did he? What could he have done better as Spider-Man? Wow. Ooh, what could he have done better? What he did right, like we said, I think that he portrayed the Peter Parker the way we think 
that Peter Parker should have been done better than anybody else, better than uh, the new guy. Gosh darn it, whatever his name is, and Garfield. Tom, Tom Holland. Yeah, Tom Holland. Thank you. Um, you have to know for the next couple of issues here. <laughs> what they could have done better, they could have been. I don't know. It's, it's, mm, it's that's a tough question. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you that what he did really well was to be Peter Parker, both as Peter Parker and as Peter Parker's the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. So you got that sense of, and granted it was probably most of the time some other hack in the suit, in the suit, but you got that sense of this feeling really liberated when he is in the costume, he is a different person uh-huh. and you, you're shedding that awkwardness, and that slowly begins to play into his day-to-day life as well. But you also have that really, uh, oh, you know, from uh, Night Moves, the uh, awkward teenage blues, because uh. he's, uh, you know, his relationship with his aunt and uncle, uh, his, you know, complete awkwardness and, and trying to find a place and and still be you know, this the nerdy science geek that impresses Osborne so much. Uh, you know, he spends two out of the three movies impressing uh, top scientists. Mm-hmm. That's true. Top men. Uh, yeah, <laughs> top men. That's right. And, you know, it, at least in those first two, he gets a chance to actually portray Peter Parker. Uh, what he could have done, uh, he, the one thing he couldn't help was being too old. Yeah. No, he couldn't help that. Yeah. Which and go ahead. I just want to. I have a list of everybody who read for that role. Oh my! And it's a pretty amazing list. But I really, I'm hard pressed to think what he could have done better because in the context, more more joking around when he was Spider-Man, maybe. Yeah. Oh, that could have been. Yeah, but because I think they did on him. On Holland, no, it's writing. Um, but like. <clears throat> Excuse me. On Holland's uh, interpretation, that version, they're always whipping jokes and being sort of, you know, goofy about that. But I, that was one of the things that I would say they probably could have improved a little bit on, maybe. That I. That's where I was gonna go. That's what I was going to say was, you know, for Spider-Man, and, and one thing I think Holland has done really, really well is embrace the idea, and I don't know whether it's direction or an understanding of character, that all of the humor, right, is a defense mechanism for feeling, again, out of place. Right. I do the same thing in this world. Yeah. And and I think Tobey Maguire just played it as awkward, like, dad jokes. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't play as well. But that is a very small – that is a very small complaint in a much larger positive body of work here. Because they did a great job. I really did. I will say this after rewatching them again, I I don't have the same feel. I, I actually enjoyed them more this go around than I have previously. Especially watching them back to back ish. Yeah. It, it it made me actually appreciate the third one more so than I ever thought I would be able Even to say. With the dance scene? Yeah, it, actually you know what? I, the first time I saw it it was appalling, but <laughs> Yeah, well, but, you have to understand words. this was a period in superhero films where the dance scene was the closest you were going to get to the return of a song and dance number. And it, it wouldn't it, 
it's not like it's out of place. All of Sam Raimi, all of his voodoo vibes that he's put on these three movies all had a silliness to them. So it's not like it's that completely out of left field with it. So, when, like I said, when I first saw it, I was sort of insulted that they would even do something so lame. But then when I watched it last night, I was like, you know. Well, it does sort of put the brakes on the narrative. It's like, oh, places for a dance number. Uh, well, I, it's, everybody it's, does a dance, and then we go back to it. It's not as awkward as Reed Richards in Fantastic Four. Uh, was it Rise of Silver Surfer? Uh, it was just full of. It was a bad film, full of bad. Choices. I wanted to like that movie so oh, much because I love the Silver Surfer. Do but this, when the when they when the when the Fantastic Four movie comes out, the new one that we mm-hmm. all know is coming, right? Yes, yes. As long as the world doesn't end or Marvel doesn't run out of money. Um, well, we there should, is rumors that they're going to make a Silver Surfer one, too. Yeah, we should yeah. do this again with the Fantastic Four movies. I would love to do that, yeah. Because we got th- we'll have three Especially with uh, Liam Neeson's uh, <laughs> Galactus. Holy shit. Right? <laughs> right. And not a nebulous, weird cloud that they decided was Galactus. Or the best that we got was a shadow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I can't tell you. I'll, I remember, like, that's it? This is it. This is this is all we're getting from it, huh? One of the coolest bad guys ever created, and it's it's a it's it's just a bad fog. Great. Um, but no, I think that you're right. I think that they couldn't. They were at a time period where they couldn't figure out what they wanted to do. You know, it was somewhere in between where we are now and the Batman '66 run. Where, it, right. where they tried to play a lot of it as goofy, but then it's also kind of serious. When did Iron Man come out? What year? Oh, God. It was after this, though, right? Oh, far, oh, far yeah, after yeah, this. Yeah, far okay, after okay. This. I, I just didn't want to accidentally say that and be completely wrong. But so, yeah, studios were taking risky chances making these type of movies because there hadn't been a history of us spending billions of dollars yet. No, no, not at all. This was a huge risk. Because, they, threw, they they rolled dice with uh, giving Sam the keys to the car. Because while while um, Raimi, you know, while Blade made a fair amount of movies, right, or a fair amount of money in theirs, um, it wasn't a lot. And right. they, I mean, look at the cast in this movie. It was not cheap. Yeah. Mm-mm. You Mm-mm. know. And like I was saying, I just want to run it down for you just so that you can um, – just so that you guys can know. The rest of the people that, that read and were considered were DiCaprio, <laughs> and that's who that's who uh, Cameron wanted because Cameron was attached to this thing too. Oh, Lord. Oh, yes. That's right. Um, Freddie Prince God. Jr. <laughs> Chris Cl- – this is a time capsule. I'm reading you a yeah. time capsule right now. Freddie Prince Jr., Chris Klein, Wes Bentley, and Heath Ledger also in consideration before um, before the casting was decided was Scott Speedman um, and uh, James Franco. Okay, but James, uh-huh. I mean they they obviously kept Franco, which I think was a good choice. Right, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Franco was ideal, and uh, I mean he's he's great as as Osborne or as Little Piggy Boy. <laughs> I mean, he's a great he, – Franco's a great actor, so he, yeah, can, yeah. he can pull off just about anything. The other people – just while we're doing this, other people in contention for uh, the, the Willem Dafoe role of Norman Osborn, mm-hmm. Nick goddamn Cage. 
Oh, God. Oh, thank God they didn't go with that. Oh. But also John Malkovich. Oh, that would have been a I that remember been a that. That would have been a nightmare. I remember hearing about Malkovich. Uh, he would have made a horrible... <laughs> I don't know. I think he he would have brought a different approach, kind uh, of take to the character, which would have made him like you know, sort of uh, serial killer stalkery. Yeah, like he's good for like the silent, not silent, but like sort of a more of quieter, angry type. I don't know. I just can't hear his voice in the same spot as Defoe played. But that's my kind of thing about the Green Goblin in the first Spider-Man movie was that. You know, Defoe's kind of always on crazy. Yeah. You know, he's got the crazy eyes and the voice is kind of crazy. It's that high pitched. Yeah, yeah. Just like. Whereas in the comics, it's not. It's not evident. You know, somebody would have figured this out long before. <laughs> you know, oh, that guy's Green Goblin. I can tell oh, you that. Obviously. Look at his, I look mean, look at him. Look he's at obviously his, the guy. <laughs> he literally has a goblin's face right now. Like. <laughs> he sits. Guilty all over him. But he was also super, you know, in the comics, he was a captain of industry. Right. And I didn't get captain of industry from Defoe as much as I think maybe I would have gotten it from a Malkovich. Nah, you know? that's true. I could see that. That's a good That's a good point. I mean, but you did have to have the, enough. I don't know if Malkovich would have been crazy enough as Green Goblin. I don't know if he would have been able to summon the crazy depths, you know. He does angry real well, but like crazy. I don't think you can outdo Defoe. No, you can't. Maybe Nick Cage. <laughs> I mean, Nick Cage might literally be the Green Goblin. We don't know. <laughs> well, he definitely was Superman at one time. <laughs> that was. Uh, I, it get made, up. but mm. if you haven't seen the the documentary about that, Aaron, you should. Oh yeah, yeah, I watched it. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's so, so um, good. It's yeah, so I was good. shocked. So good. All right, does, Cole, do you have any final thoughts here? I really think that cinematically Spider-Man was given an ideal birth with Tobey Maguire. I think he was the Spider-Man we deserved. Okay, I'm with that. The Spider-Man we needed at that stage. We needed someone approachable, someone that – you know, might have looked a little out of place, but also could play younger than he was and and effectively become the character of Peter Parker. Uh, you know, there are a lot of missteps that are certainly not on the actor. Right. But among those who were in the running, I really, and, you know, these things are always spoiled by the reality. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll never know if Tom Selleck would have been a better Han Solo. It's just I, I know. I I don't, I don't even We can imagine that it. he wouldn't have been, but um, He's got a great any, mustache. Yeah. At at any rate, the uh, I think that this proved a good jumping off point and for the most part they hit the notes that needed to be hit. Yeah. Before they got full of themselves and decided that you know, people would just show up for Spider Man. Right. I, I, I think that the one thing that that has been brought up a couple times, I'm going to I'm going to bring it up again, is that these movies needed to be brave. They needed to push an envelope that for us that hasn't been done to prove a point that you can have a Dr. Octopus in a movie 
you know, and and make it both believable and fun and, you know, so far out there that you buy that it's a comic book. You know, you needed a you needed a Sandman that, you know, regardless of how good or bad the CG was, did the did the Sandman things. Yeah. You know, you as much as we can dog on Venom, you needed that risk. You needed to take those risks to set the stage for what's going to come after. And that's what this did. So, you know, a big round of applause to everybody involved for being willing to step out there and say, no, 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 we're not going to put them in, you know, we're not going to put him in an all black costume. We're not going to re, you know, we're not going to change his origin story or, you know, back away from some of these things that haven't been done on screen because, you know, we're talking about not just a man, and also not yeah. a Superman. You know, we're talking about a weird, weird character. Granted, everybody knows him, but he's a weird, weird character to put on screen in a big way, but we're going to figure it out and we're going to do it. And it paid off. Mm. Aaron? I think that got? sums it up nicely. I yeah, I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm a little confused because I didn't think I'd ever defend Spider-Man 3. <laughs> But now I'm like I'm I'm getting soft in my old age I guess is what it is and it, dude they're good movies they're they're not they're not the greatest that you'll ever see and they'll probably make you know the next Spider-Man is probably going to be an amazing success but as far as an origin of how this all got to where we're at they're you know you can't they did a fine job the act I thought the people who they got to play each role. Um, with the exception of them, uh, did amazing. <laughs> you know, it's I, I, I'm glad that we did this show, and I had to go back and rewatch them uh, to get refamiliarized with them again. So, I mean, if that doesn't say anything, I mean, it's not like I was like, oh my god, I gotta get through these again, you know. So, you know. Well, at least we I, served the greater up. good. That's yeah. If, if, if anything. All right, well, why don't we wrap it up? Aaron, take your time here and, and plug up your new show. Tell us oh, what it's about. Hey. You got another one? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, right now, uh, Wonder Twins is in hiatus, so I started up a new little project called Does Not Include Dune, where uh, me and my co-host, a good friend of mine, Andy, uh, pretty much each episode we have three different ships. We like It's sci-fi, fantasy. We talk about spaceships and vehicles. With the exception of anything from Dune, we don't talk about that at all. But uh, we pick three ships or vehicle, and we basically figure out how we like them, what we think is cool about them, and we put them on a list of what we think is uh, the top choice to the bottom choice. It's uh, it's a fun time where we launch every Friday. Uh, YouTube, you can catch us sort of on Facebook. We're also Andy handles the Twitter. Uh, Gmail is basically does not include Dune. Just put does not include Dune. That's basically everything. But does not include Doom at gmail.com. Does not include Doom, Facebook, uh, YouTube, all the above. It's all good stuff. Join in. It's a we we have a lot of fun doing it. Um. So what? So what's the what's the number one ship so far? So far, I believe it's the Tie Fighter from New Hope. Really? Nice. Yeah, that's, but we're always that's a brilliant vehicle. It's well, we're we're fourteen deep, so I did a whole show, whole episode of the Ranker Pit Live, uh huh, titled "Tie One On." Okay. And talked about Tie Fighters. Okay. 
for one whole hour nothing but Tie Fighter. So yeah, it's, it's uh, where it belongs. There's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of stuff. Um, there, there's so many there's so many ones that we're trying to get to. It's like it 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 goes the gambit between comic books, movies, TV, cartoons, even. It's whatever. It's anything that might have been a vehicle in something. If we can find information on it, we will, and we'll bring it to your attention, and then we'll say whether or not it's awesome or if it sucks, <laughs> that kind of thing. Like we did, for instance, uh, uh, the one that's uh, going to be coming out this Friday. It's basically Star Blazers, uh, a ship from Halo, and the Defiant from Voyager. Yeah, not Voyager, I'm sorry, the Defiant from DS9, Deep Space Nine. Defi- did Defiant win? Uh, well, spoilers. it's not. Well, it's it. Well, it, oh, yeah, that's probably a good thing. <laughs> probably, yeah. No, it's spoilers. Well, you have to tune in to find out, Andy. Come on, man. Andrew. Defiant was a great ship. DS9. It is a great ship. No, oh no. Uh, yeah, no. It's it. Let me tell you, I just completed my second tour of duty, watching every single Star Star Trek episode. And I'm telling you, if if you can at least get to season five of DS9, it will change your mind. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. All right. Well, thank you, man. It's been a pleasure having you on again. I thank you guys so much for having me. I love doing this stuff. This is great. This is great. Uh, Cole, give us them hot plugs, baby. All right. We're coming to you from the Jedi Cole universe at JediCole.com. And uh, we can uh, – you can uh, – Drop us a line at jcumail at yahoo.com. And uh, the uh, aforementioned The Rancor Pit Live uh, will be coming to you on the first and third Sundays of every month on dallasonair.com. That's from uh, 1130, sorry, 1030 to 1130 a.m. Central, preceded on the third Sundays of every month by my other show, Isle of Toys, uh, mm-hmm. where I've just had the last two years had an amazing time uh monthly talking about all manner of toys with some amazing folks. So be sure and check that out, 9.30, 10.30 a.m., third Sunday of every month on DallasOnAir.com. Yeah, boy. And you can get us on the Twitters and on the Facebooks at HK Comics Show and on the Instagrams. Um, so next week's Andrew Garfield. It's going to be a tough one, Cole. Good luck with that, guys, honestly. Not a lot going on. To, well, I mean, it'll be a tough one, but it won't because – they packed a lot of weird in the two movies. Especially the second one. Yeah. Like, we're going to give you as much of the Sinister Six as humanly possible in the shortest amount of time. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, join us next week for more Hey Kids comics. Uh, say goodnight, gentlemen. Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Yeah. Bye, collect, enjoy your comics, and take chances. Take chances.